This is Local Color, distributed by Your Public Studios, a podcast dedicated to the artists, entrepreneurs, and social innovators using their talents to make Baltimore and the DMV a better place. I'm your host, Jason V, and on the show today, Dante and Will Henson, the hermanos behind Los Hermanos Tequila, an award-winning tequila brand. This is part two of the interview, so if you haven't already, go ahead and listen to part one to get that much-needed context. In this interview, the brothers discuss distribution, wisdom in the entrepreneurship game, future plans for the brand, and why Baltimore is a great market for their product. Hey everybody, Jason V here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Local Color Podcast. As always, your support is appreciated. As mentioned before, this is part two of my interview with Los Hermanos Henson. If you haven't already, go ahead and listen to part one. If you've already listened to part one, thank you so much. Now listen to part two, then go to your local liquor store and buy a bottle of their tequila. I've already bought three this year, so y'all need to catch up. When we last left the Henson brothers, they were preparing for a work trip. November 2020, flew down to Mexico for four days. We got a crash course in tequila. We were out in the fields with the farmers tended to the agave. We walked the distillation plant to learn the process from beginning to end. We saw the sellers where they stored the tequila when they aging it, and we finished in the tasting room. That was a great experience for us, just to actually get in there and understand the culture behind tequila. And like, that's the one of the biggest things that we, you know, our brand as a differentiator is that like a lot of people give you a bottle, they sell you a lifestyle. But what we do is we want to bring some of the culture behind it. We mm-hmm. want to tell you why you should sit this tequila instead of doing shots. Why you don't need salt to, for your for your tequila. All these things that other brands aren't doing, this is what we're giving. We're bringing that culture back to people here. I do have a follow-up question for you, uh, but for Will, since you are the the consummate uh, tequila professional, is Azul worth the price? Class A Azul? That blue and white bottle? Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, no. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) So what is is the tequila that you think is like a good, you know, price-to-quality ratio that would make a good gift? Um, Besides those hermanos. um, Oh, of course, of course. (laughs) um, Two of my favorite right now are, well— La Cofradia is um, an Anastasio, is that how you read? Uh, Atanasio. Yeah, Atanasio. Those two are my favorite, but you only can get them in Mexico. So when mm-hmm. we go down there, you know, we stop at our favorite stores and bring them back. Like, I still got two of the porcelain bottles that they come in that I can't even throw the bottles away because they were so good, you could just take the top off some time and smell it. Mm-hmm. But what you can get here, I would say my top two would be Fortaleza and El Tesoro. Mm, okay, I'll have to I'll have to take that back to my parents. <laughs> but between those two, it's like tequila at its pinnacle. The taste, the age, the history behind them. You would drink Don Julio behind one of those and be like, eh, that, that really? was, that's okay. Because that's like the pinnacle for me. But I, I I'm not I'm I'm kind of like a teetotaler. So whenever my parents mix up with Don Julio, I'm like, okay, I feel I'm howling the hog now. Well, <laughs> you know, Don Julio is not a bad man because sometimes you know the um, the Inyehos and the Repos, it's, it's like it's cool, like it's cool. But the Classic Azul and the Don Julio, people see the bottle and it's like a celebratory thing. Wow, he got a bottle of Don Julio. He got a Classic Azul. Mm-hmm. And down where we from, they would look at that like. Tuh. And I can show you three or four Mexican brands that would that would put that to shame. You'd be like, "Wow, like where's this from?" So, Fortaleza and Alto Soro and mm-hmm. Alto Quilarero. I think I'm, I got. I think that's the one. Never tried that one yet. Right, that is a good one. But Alto Soro and Fortaleza start that 
either one of those, Repo and Yale, whatever, you will not be disappointed. Low on the pricey side, not a hundred or something off, but okay. well worth it. Incredible. Well, yeah, my my parents can pay for it, and then I'll just come over Incredible. and drink. Incredible, absolutely. Uh, so Dante, back to you. Um, when you were telling the story of going down. Uh, to Mexico for that four-day um, crash course. From that experience, could you give like a brief summary or timeline of what happened from that experience to like bottling your first bottle? Um, when we left Mexico uh, in November, we had like nine months where we were just literally getting our permits, you know, from getting registrations, waiting to get approval from... Um, with the FDA, with the state here, and, and also with tequila in Mexico, there's a tequila regulation council. Yeah, not to cut you off, but I, rem- I my wife and I, we watched something because she likes tequila as well. We watched something that like if you're making mezcal, you have to have some type of like brand or seal that says it's mezcal. Do you have to do the same thing with tequila? Absolutely. Oh wow. Tequila, for people who don't know, is Appalachian origin, meaning you can distill blue agave anywhere in the world that you want. But you can't call it tequila unless it get done in one of the five regions around the city of tequila. It has to come through there. And so the way they control that is with the Tequila Regulation Council. So when we first started, we had to have the CRT validate our contract with the distillery. Once they reviewed that and they got approved, then the, then the distillery could start production. So once they started production and they were ready to ship it off, they still had to wait to get someone from the CRC to come back and verify that these bottles, that the juice from these bottles came out of this specific barrel that had our name on it. Mm. And so, yeah, like, they really regulate that. But, you know, during that time, you know, again, what we were doing, we we were building the demand. So let me back up a little bit. Before we decided to go to Mexico, we knew that we had to have a hook. Like, we were just two guys. We don't have a whole team. We don't have a million-dollar marketing budget, but we needed a hook. So what we decided to do is that we would just document everything online. When we first got our logo, before it was even finished, I created a Facebook page. Tell people my page. Me and my brother, we're starting a brand. Go like the page. I tell the story all the time. I had 400-some friends at a time, like four people like the page. <laughs> so whatever, I don't care. You'll catch up. Um, again, then we went back and, you know, went through a couple iterations with the designer. We got the logo finished. Put the finished logo out there. I got on Instagram. First time on Instagram. I'm going to figure it out. You know, start an Instagram page for the business. And, you know, we were going and we were documenting. And so when we decided, when we were going to Mexico, I said, okay, this is our first time in Mexico. We're going for this. We need to, we need to document this. And so I hired a photographer in Guadalajara to meet us at the distillery. And this guy was amazing. Now, I want to tell the story that really quickly. The guy that we hired was a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. This isn't what he does. But I saw his work online, and I said, these pictures are amazing. And so I reached out to the guy saying, listen, I love your work. I said, I've been looking at probably about 100 of your images that you have online. They're beautiful. Me and my brother are coming to Guadalajara. We're starting a tequila brand. I would love for you to come document this journey for us. And the guy reached back out to me after a couple of days and says, this isn't what I do. He said, but I would love to be a part of your journey. I would love to help you guys out. And that guy came with us, and he literally met us at the distillery that morning, stayed with us after we left the distillery. We were out in the town of Tequila eating lunch, and then for like a couple hours later, this guy took almost like, like 3,000 pictures. 
and he sent us back like 200 finished pictures. Mm-hmm. So when you see the pictures of me and my brother sitting in front of the barrels or out in the town of tequila, that was this guy who did that for us. Awesome. That is, man, that's amazing. And it's, it's great that you were able to document everything and, and, and tell that story. And you found somebody that like you just kind of just met, but they believed in your story and your idea and they were like this is not what i do but like i i want to be a part of it so i think that's a testament to what you were saying like not letting that good idea pass you by because clearly you were able to uh to get other people to to see the vision so that's great um so you go through the process you get the permits and everything you start uh bottling the tequila at this point, you want to start selling it in um, in in liquor stores. So uh, I actually bought a bottle of uh, Los Hermanos like a few a few weeks back, and I got it at the wine source uh, over in Hamden. Now, other people that I've interviewed in the past, most of their stuff is like food products. So I know that for grocery stores, you have to pay a shelving fee to have your stuff on the shelves to actually sell it. Does the same thing happen when you are selling spirits? Did you have to pay a shelving fee to get on there? How did you get? Los Hermanos into the wine source or any other any other liquor store. Yeah, so first um, we didn't have one. That's distribution that d- does get you in the stores. When we first started, we didn't have distribution, and so when we literally our first shipment arrives at a warehouse in Philly, you know, me and my brother we take a day off, we drive up there to get it. We I think we got about ten cases in the back of my car, and we're riding back. Now my brother has a great relationship with one of the store owners in this neighborhood. And so he calls the guy up, says, John, we got our first shipment. Could you put us in the store? And the guy says, yeah, as long as you have your permits, sure. <laughs> so we had everything lined up before that. So, you know, we sent it to the guy, all our paperwork, everything checked out. He was like, cool, put us in the store. We get on Instagram Live telling people we got it. Y'all been waiting for it. Here it is. Then 15 minutes, people started showing up. Mm. Now, we're capturing all this, and we're putting it back on my social media. Which which store was this? This is Utah Market. Okay, okay. So we get there. I'm putting everything up on social media. So now we, we can see early on we got traction. So now I start reaching out to distributors. And still, like, three of the five that I had on my list didn't return my emails, didn't return my calls. The fourth guy says, I'm out of town, but I'd like to try your tequila when you get back. God never got back to me. The last guy I seen us, I sent him an email 20 minutes late. He called me, said, I'd like to talk to you guys. You know, can you come in? And we met and told my story. He says, I believe you guys have what it takes to be a big brand. I'd like to work with you guys. And from then on, like, our distributor went and pushed, pushed. And that's how, it, you know, we got so many locations because, you know, he really get out there. Now, fee-wise, with the stores, you don't have to pay for a shelving fee, but um, they will charge distributors if you want to buy an end cap. Like you can, a distributor can purchase the end cap and have their brands out there. Oh, okay. And and the end cap is like, let's let's say there's two aisles in a store. The end cap is like the the top of the aisle. The it's the um the first thing you see when you walk in the store. So oh okay the adjacent. So let me see for people who are, aren't in the room with us, right? <laughs> <laughs> you think it's perpendicular to the aisle. So if you're walking in the middle of the aisle, when you turn out the aisle, just the things at the end caps that's facing out. Yes. Yeah, those sections, like stores usually will sell those spaces. So with a distributor, how did you cultivate that relationship? And, and so how did you even meet your distributor? So the first thing I did... um while I was waiting for our shipment to come in, is I just started Googling distributors in Maryland. 
of course, all of the big national companies started showing up. I had got enough counseling that says, you know, as a small brand, you want to stay away from the big guys because if you can get them to take you on, they're not going to go push your product. Mm -hmm. So technically, yeah, you'll have distribution, but the sales rep are not going to put the time in to get you out into any stores. They'll just take your money. Right. And so, okay, so I was like, well, let's start finding, you know, small to mid-sized companies. And so during my, you know, doing my research, I found like a list. All I could find five small companies here. And so, again, distribution in the spirits industry is a hard thing. One, most big distributors aren't going to even bother with a small brand at all. Small distributors are looking at products like, is this thing commercially viable? Like, if I want to take up my precious time for this thing, is somebody going to buy it? Is the price right that somebody was going to buy it? Does it even taste good? Two, distributors are looking for you to have a certain amount of marketing to help go push your product, mm-hmm. right? And so if you don't have a marketing budget, you better be prepared to go do a lot of legwork mm. to, to get to go help sell your product. Because most time, a distributor, they don't charge you. They just tack on their fee to your price, right? And, and the retailer will get it. They'll tack on a fee too then that's what the consumer sees. So a distributor has to have something that he can take to or she can take to a store owner and says, this is a brand new product. We believe this will sell because, right? That's the conversation that that distributor has. So you have to have a compelling story. You have to have great looking product or something taste. You have to have something that, that will allow that distributor to sell it to a store owner who's never seen that. Because most store owners, I think, look at, like, you know, products come every night and day. Like, I don't want to take up shelf space for something that isn't going to sell. So, like, it's a it's a hard thing. But we really, really got fortunate that the guy who took us on, like, saw something in us and, and saw that we had the potential to do something and, and brought us in. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, I conclude my interview with Will and Dante Henson of Los Hermanos Tequila. I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. Stay with us. I'm Jason V. This is Local Color, and my guests are Dante and Will Henson, founders of Los Hermanos Tequila. Do y'all have a um, like a rival company in the area that you feel like you're always trying to to, to beat out, or y'all are kind of switching positions, like in terms of distribution or just getting into different stores? Nah. That's the beauty for us of being in, in Baltimore, right? Baltimore is traditionally a beer and whiskey town. Oh, for so sure. So for us to be here with a tequila, right? Like, people are like, oh, what? It's a tequila? <laughs> They're here? They're from here? So, you know, like, that works. I mean, there are other brands, you know, national brands and even some semi-local brands, but, like, people resonate. People like Los Hermanos because they can relate to our story. In addition to us actually have good juice. So, like, yeah, we haven't ran into any issues so far that, you know, we couldn't get it in, in this spot because they took somebody else or, you know, we're chasing or, or jockeying with a position for anybody else. Like, we've really been in our own lane for the last two years. What is a um, intricacy or, like, a deep cut in the in the liquor tequila business that somebody like me, somebody who's just picking it up off the shelf because I'm on my way to a party— What's, what's something that I wouldn't know about, uh, like a process or maybe something that you got to do to get that bottle on the shelf? Mm. All right, so let's start with it. Let's start being on the shelf. There's a thing called adjacencies. So 
if you get your product in a store, mm-hmm. the store owner is going to think about selling. Everything that's going to sell is going to be at eye level. So if you're walking in a store and there is something on the bottom shelf, it's probably something you don't want. <laughs> okay. Like, right? Because they're going to, they're usually, again, they're in the business to sell. They're in the business to move. What's popular, what's good, they're going to put there at eye level so you can see that, so you can want to buy that. So when you're getting your product in the store, right, like, one, it's a, it's a fight to get in there. But when you do get in there, you want to make sure that you're adjacent to something. So for us, a lot of times when we're in different stores, where you'll see us right next to Casamigos, or you'll see, you go to Total Wine, you'll see us right next to 818 Tequila, right, because people place us at a spot where you can see it. Mm-hmm. And also people generally look for, people generally go to the store looking for a particular thing. So when you go to the aisle, you're going to bypass five, ten different bottles to get to what you want. Now, while you're looking at yours, there might be something right in the eye shot that might catch your eye, right? And that's the difference of product placement. That's really important. And the average consumer isn't paying attention to who's on the top shelf, who's on the bottom shelf. You're coming to the store looking for what you came to get. Hmm. So adjacencies is that's like a um, intricacy of the like the shelving game. You want to make sure that you're at eye level and you're like next to something that uh, people are going to look at. And then they might, you know, if they're not going directly for Los Hermanos, they're they're next to the you're next to the Espelon, you're next to the Casamigo, you're next to the um, uh, like Himador. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. And okay. also, you, you think about this. If you came into store, right, you came in there, you're going to get Termina. You walk down to the aisle, Termina's out. But you got this really cool bottle sitting right next to Termina. Hmm. Oh, what's that? Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, you might catch your eye. Well, this ain't here. So, all right, well, this is ain't too far from the price net. Let me try this. I'm, I'm willing to blow my budget. I've never heard of this <laughs> <Right>. before. <laughs> so, like, that's another thing why it matters, like, where your product is placed. Okay. All right. Um, we're going to start finishing up here. Uh, I always ask these uh, these two questions. And for this one, actually for both of them, I want to hear from both of you. Uh, so, Will, it's been a while since we've heard from you. So we'll, we'll start with you. On your end, what's coming up next for Los Hermanos Tequila? Um, well, I was pushing for an A-ho a long time ago, just thinking out the box, so looking for an age one. And, um, you know, bro has so much on his um, – played already, you know, trying to set up the format, the foundation, what we're doing. But now we finally got to the point where we have the um, the funding and the know-how and the knowledge to create an Yeho, Asian Yeah, So we're working on an Yeho, and then I'm trying to get my hands on a, um, a, a different marketing strategy now. Like, you know, woke up out my funk, and now, you know, that, 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 that legwork for the business part is really where I'm at now. Like, mm-hmm. learn to be a businessman, learn the business part of the things, you know. It was hats and T-shirts and, you know, doing that kind of legwork. But now it's really paperwork, pen and pad, lawyers mm-hmm. and different things. So now I'm learning that aspect. But the marketing thing is now, like, is what's hitting my mind. Like, okay, what can you do now? Radio station, TV station, like, parties, like, you got to do a next level type of thing this big explosive and keep the um right. people engaged with the brand so i'm just working on some marketing strategies for right now you guys want to sponsor the uh the, the, the podcast 
Sure, we can have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I had to try. And uh, Mr. Dante, uh, on your end, uh, would you say that you do more of like the uh, operations type stuff? Um, yeah. As as my talking to my son says, uh, you know, he loves the movies, so I'm the man in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so from your end, um, what's coming up next for Los Hermanos Tequila? Um, right now, I am. In the Entrepreneurs Accelerator Program, shout out to all the great greyhounds out there. Um, so I'm really focused on finishing up this program at Loyola. Uh, after that, for the brand, I mean, I think they really set us up to really take off. Like, we, we did really well in the last two years getting our brand together, but I think being in this program over the last six weeks, really kind of give me a lot of business fundamentals that I didn't have. So now I could take the, the passion that we had and put the business mechanics behind it to really take this brand off this year. Gotcha. Okay. And then uh, I'll start with you, and then I'll finish with you, Mr. Will. Uh, what do you think makes Baltimore such a unique and great city? Um, I think the the greatest thing about thing is the same thing that people don't like about it, but being a small city, you really get a chance to know people that you probably wouldn't have access to otherwise. You know, like if we were in New York or we were in L.A. or somewhere like that, like a lot of the people who I met here, you know, we probably wouldn't have access to. And two, the way that, you know, people from here really go out of their way to support local people. So, you know, if it's us, if it's Tank, you know, like all these different people that people really go out their way to see somebody from here winning. So... That's the thing I think that really does it for here that, that makes Baltimore special. Awesome. And Mr. Will, same question. Um, by being a small city, um, if you if you have the right product and the right team, you could take it over. Mm. That's what I like about Baltimore. Small people don't like it, but this ain't Detroit, Chicago, LA, if you got the right team and network and you can take the city over, then you'll be in a good position for the next takeover. That's it for me. Uh Mr. Will, Mr. Dante, uh, Henson, uh, Los Hermanos Tequila, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with both of you. Thank you, man. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having us. Of course, absolutely. That was Dante and Will Henson of Los Hermanos Tequila. Follow the brand's journey on IG at Los Hermanos Tequila. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Local Color. The podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jason V. The podcast is distributed by Your Public Studios. New episodes of Local Color will be released the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Learn more about Local Color at WYPR.org.